realize last week was the first time in 20 years of doing this radio program I actually had to take off for being sick. And it wasn't because uh, I couldn't do the show. I mean, being able to read and talk was just fine. But I picked up a virus. Uh, thank you for my wife for giving that to me when I went down to Florida. Um, but I picked up a virus, and I just had these huge coughing attacks. And as you know and everybody else knows, coughing on the radio is like the worst thing in the world. Mm-hmm. It just screws up all the programming. So I do have to thank you guys for covering for me last week. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, no trouble at all. It ended up being a uh, kind of a big day for Alan because we got to celebrate uh, 10 years in business for him at the uh, Hogum Law Firm. So that was yep, it yep. was nice. We, we had a good a good discussion. Uh, we'll start or start things out today. Uh, first off, of course, uh, every now and then we like to uh, take a look into the world of uh, sports betting um, here on Making Financial <laughs> Sense as a means of investment. Uh, did you put down the $100 parlay on uh, Florida Atlantic, Miami, San Diego State, and UConn to make the NCAA Men's Final Four? Did Were you the one that did that? Is this the uh, uh, the Final Four dog sled races? No, no. They, 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 oh. <laughs> the real deal. Uh, that, a $100 parlay on those four teams to make the Final Four? Would it net you $9 million? Just to give you an idea of how rare and how unexpected yeah. this Final Four field And uh, so now is. the question is, did somebody actually do that? Exactly. We That's what we want to so, know. Did somebody yeah, do that? Yeah. And is there a way that Merle could uh, help that person by opening some investment <laughs> accounts? Well, I would, but I'm guessing that a person quite like that um, would not um, see Merle because they're going to try to make the next bet. On, uh, on gambling, as they can see. So we had a, a young man, and just a, a quick story on some of this. Um, we had a young man uh, from the Wassa area um, who, uh, very wise, very smart young man, beyond what you might believe, he inherited, I think it was $15,000 from Grandma when Grandma passed away, and him being a young man many, many years ago put all that money inside of Bitcoin and talking about a bet, and he said, I didn't know what I was doing but it went up, and when it ran up, he sold it. And it wasn't just a million or two. It was millions and millions and millions of dollars, and he sold it out. He said, I know that I hit the lottery. He said, so I'm not going to uh, go back in so heavily. He said, I'll play with it a little bit because that's what I do now. And so though I did not invest with him, I helped advise uh, what he should do with some of that stuff. And so he is now in his um, early 30s retired and he and his wife take care of their uh, children that they have together and that's what their job is it's a beautiful thing but he and i said he hit the lotteries not only by winning the money but he realized that he hit the lottery and he's not going to do it again because usually what happens is like this when somebody makes a, a huge amount of money in a bet for sports or something of that nature they go back into it heavily then they end up losing it mm-hmm. just like typically the person who wins the the powerball ends up uh, broken five to seven years because they spend all that money in an insane way um, thinking it's going to happen another time. So um, so it's always a thing. So, no, um, I am not investing for that person. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but it's an interesting uh, event how that happens with people uh, when they get such a windfall like that, what they do from a dollar amount. Yeah, and, uh, and, and investing. Yeah, and, it, you know, it seems like this is kind of an evergreen topic, too, that we bring up uh, every couple times a year, especially when the lottery jackpots end up getting – uh, as high as they are. And in fact, we've got a couple that are kind of bubbling towards the half billion dollar mark uh, right now, specifically the uh, yeah. Mega Millions was getting or is getting to that point. I didn't check uh, any winning numbers because I didn't have a ticket for yesterday just yet. Yeah. But I, I think that's, 
you know, there's a reason that they say that when you do win the lottery and something like that, you 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 cut off communication with people and you go find yourself a lawyer and a good financial advisor like that because uh, you can't just handle something like this yeah. on your own, no matter how wise you think you are. <clears throat> the, the difficulty on trying to do it by yourself is, is uh, enormously hard as far as um, trying to where to go, what to do, and trying to understand the financial instruments that you're you're being fed from a hose at this point in time. We have such a large dollar amount. Um, I mean, you, you, we look around at even today's times. Not everybody knows everything about everything. You know, for example, uh, sports teams. I was joking. I knew the Final Four was on, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, I just didn't know the times, and I usually don't watch it. So, again, it could have been mushing teams. I couldn't have told you one team that's in the Final Four. Um, not because I'm disinterested. This is not quite my thing, and so I don't do that. Um, you know, maybe bankers should talk to financial advisors because maybe they wouldn't have as uh, many problems they're having right now if they would have just simply had a conversation with our industry. So, all right. So that was my commentary that just popped out of my head. <laughs> right. <laughs> the views and opinions expressed on this program. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, you know, in here, let's talk about the banking. A few weeks ago when this started happening, you asked me some questions about banks. Mm-hmm. And I said, I really want to defer and have a conversation with a friend of mine who um, uh, literally does run banks, and uh, he's a banker. And so we were having that conversation, I said, and so my direct comment was, well, why the hell would they do that? And he just simply said, greed. They're just looking at the short-term return um, and not looking at the long-term uh, issues that came as a result of it. And so reading an article today, um, we're talking much at the same thing. They're looking at the uh, short-term um, profit to look at the bottom line because it would look good. Um, and not looking at the uh, long-term effects of something bad happening. This comes up from an article from Nouriel Rubini, and it's an opinion piece called The Most U.S. Banks Are Technically Near Insolvency, and Hundreds Are Already in Fully Insolvent, uh, Rubini says. You know, we look at what happened inside of the banking industry, and so then the conversation comes is, is my money locally going to be good at the bank? And so when I'm having clients asking me these questions, I say, well, First of all, um, how much you have in a bank? And so they'll say whatever their dollar amount is. If it's less than 250 the answer is yes, you're fine because it's insured by the FDIC. Um, over that, it's probably still good because the Federal Reserve and the Treasury Department have set up some processes so that banks have the ability to have some liquidity if needed if money starts running out of the bank or their outflows are getting so high. So our banking industry is going to be good as far as a function from you and I as, as investors and people putting money inside of the bank. But there's going to be some more consolidation that's going to happen from the banking uh, sector. So, in here, you know, there's a everything has got a risk to it, no matter what, um, uh, except for the FDIC because they insure it. But we still have risk in there, folks, and it's a risk of inflation. You know, of course, inflation eating up at the power of our money sitting inside of a CD, for example, um, or a uh, uh, you know savings account. And you know, just an easy example of that, if we go to inflation from the early 80s, which was, you know, 13 14%, then if we put our money into the CDs back then, it was easy to get 8 and 9%. The unfortunate part with inflation being, you know, 13 to 14%, we still went backwards with our money because of inflation and taxes on it. And the same thing has certainly, you know, happened throughout the course of the, the last uh, year or so. But yeah. the biggest thing in here is is the bonds. In in the banks shot themselves in the foot because they wanted that long term rate of return to make their balance sheet look good now, versus saying we're going to take the bite and we're going to fix our portfolio so we can live to fight another day with interest rates. And it largely is all dependent upon the amount of greed 
that a particular bank had. More greed went more money that went into long-term bonds, and then you have an SVB uh, that shot themselves in the foot. I mean, some banks simply said, well, we're going to take a little bit of that longer-term risk, but we're not going to do it with all the money. We're just going to do it with a piece of the money, and those banks seem to survive more. Um, and, and, boy, along the way, I'm not seeing a lot of banks that hedge their bet. Uh, they, they shot themselves in the foot along the way, and I don't know that I have a lot of sympathy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and that's what it seems like a lot of people have been saying. Of course, there's a there's a whole nother debate that we can have on this right now as to whether these banks are too big to fail or not. Uh, we won't do that, of course, here in this format here on uh, Making Financial yeah, Sense. Yeah. There's other hours of the day that are devoted to that here on the uh, airwaves of WSAU. But my question for you, uh, you know, with all this is, you know, what does it mean? for the the average person of course a lot of those people had a weekend of anxiety wondering whether they would actually have money to pay their bills come monday uh or not but i know a lot of people did come out the better end no worse for the wear uh but there likely are some people that that didn't there's there's going to be some people who you know like the banks made poor decisions um you know, I, I, I tell mom, I said, mom, how much you got in the bank? She tell me the dollar amount. I'm like, all right, you're good. And the reason for that is I'm checking for the FDIC coverage to make sure mom's protected. Mom's good. So, so you know, we have to think FDIC stands for, FDIC stands for Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation. So banks have to pay a premium into that uh, FDIC in case some things like this happen, that the deposits for the individuals that we put our money inside of the bank are insured up to $250,000. And so, <clears throat> excuse me, the, the biggest thing we have to look at, folks, is to make sure we don't have more than $250,000 in CDs and savings accounts and the checking accounts. Now, the blurry part comes in is when you had corporations and companies saying, well, we've got more than 250000 and I don't know the conversation that happened with SVB, um, but they said, well, yeah, we can deposit that for you. We'll, we'll take it and put it in. Well, they couldn't put the money inside of CDs because it was too much money, and they were buying long-term bonds. So bond portfolios are usually done through brokerage guys and, and brokerage accounts as part of our side of the industry in a coin. My opinion is the bank should have been, shouldn't have been doing that for people in that type of regard because, boy, it certainly appears as though there's a lot of bankers that didn't know how that worked. I don't know if that's actually true or not, but that's my opinion because, mm-hmm. boy, it's just a blatant problem. Um you know, we, we saw it happen all over the place that, that bond portfolios got killed because of the rising interest rates. And it's a simple thing. It's a teeter-totter, folks. Interest rates go up, bond prices come down, and vice versa. And um, when you're buying bond prices, which were at the peak of priciness, the highest price possible throughout the course of 21 and 22, if you're buying long-term bonds, the long-term bonds have the biggest effect and you're buying them as a bank because you're chasing what the yield is, if interest rates go up a little bit, you're going to get killed. And, boy, you know, I've said it here, I've said it before, you're in the tunnel. You see the lights, you smell the smoke, you hear the train, you're sitting on the tracks. What the heck do you do? You get off, you get out. And they didn't do it. It just amazes me, definitely amazes me. All right, my rant is nearly over. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, uh, 715-845-2155 is the number to call if you have a question for Merle. Again, just because Merle 
is uh, on the phone. That doesn't mean we don't have a hope in phone line for you, as we have a couple of them. So if you've got a question that you've been sitting on for the last couple of weeks, uh, now's your chance to uh, get on with Merle Kelch as we are making financial sense here on AM 550, FM 99.9 WSAU. We'll be back with more after this. All right. It is 8.23 on this uh, Saturday morning, and again, travel not advised for much of the listening area, so if you can hear us right now, best to hunker down and uh, hear what we have to say here on Making Financial Sense on AM550, FM 99.9 WSAU, and worldwide at WSAU.com. Uh, well, Merle, well, today is uh, technically the start of a new quarter. Uh, last business day was yesterday, yeah. of course. Uh, so the stock markets, uh, you know, everything uh, kind of closing the books in the first quarter of uh, 2023. So where are we uh, right now as far as the those economic indicators are? Well, uh, Market Watch, of course, is the website that I like to use, uh, marketwatch.com. Um, and in here, uh, they have a statement by Christine Adelis and Joseph Andel Lofi, okay, that's just a guess, folks. Again, I'm butchering the names, which I excel at. So U.S. stocks are sharply higher after inflation report, and NASDAQ scores its best quarter since 2020. And I get a kick out of the picture that opens up this article, folks, because it has a picture of eggs, and it says member price, four forty nine for a dozen of eggs, which is $2.50 less than it was the week before, so it was on sale. That still cracks me up. Gone are the days of 99-cent eggs that we've seen. So... You know, we've seen the market come up in this past quarter. By the way, folks, when you get your statement looking at your 401k or investments from uh, March 31, you're going to have a smile on your face. It was a pretty good quarter. In fact, this past week, we saw the Dow Jones Industrial Average jump up yesterday at 415 points. More importantly, it was up 3.2% for the week. Um, and, of course, the S&P 500 up 3.5% for the week, and the NASDAQ 3.4%. And the reason for this largely is that you know, uh, the banks are still here. They didn't fall apart, uh, though they might not be the best um, uh, in, in, at the moment. But uh, the banks are still there. We still put our money inside. The money still comes back out. And also, more importantly, inflation ticked itself down again. So inflation is, again, not solved, but it's getting better. And the big measure that we look at is the M2 money supply. That also went down, which is our big indicator of where inflation is. And so those things combined, we saw the stock market um, drive itself up and drive itself up nicely and for all the right reasons for a change um, um, it was nice to see now what's interesting though um, we had a um, uh, by the way inflation year over year uh, 4.6% of 4.7% using what's called core PCE or with the preferred inflation gauge is what they use um, uh, so that sort of stuff is getting better and like we said, the eggs now, if at this place, said member pricing, $2.50 off. So wherever that picture was, you got to go there. That's where you get your eggs now. So, <laughs> right. Um, so it's all moving in the right direction. I'm not saying the world is beautiful and wonderful, but at least I think the ship is turning a corner. You can't, uh, you can't turn a big ship easily, uh, and I think it's turning to the right direction. Now, I still think we end up having a recession. In fact, I was uh, reading articles this morning from my favorite economist, Brian Westbury. And uh, on Monday, he had some notes and said that if we do look at the, ma- look at the math from the Federal Reserve System, uh, they're having a predictability of having a recession, too, in the latter part of the year. And his reason for saying so is that their predictability will have a recession at the end, towards the end of the year. 
And, and that's okay if we have a recession, folks. That means the economy is slowing down, inflation is slowing down. We can make some determinations for investments at that point in time, what we do. Yes, you can still make money during an inflationary period of time. We just have to look at which investments we're going to use to make some inflationary uh, um, uh, money. So with that, um, we just don't know what direction it's going to be or how bad it's going to be, and that's the, the unknown at this point in time. Will it be easy? Will it be deep? So in that, um, we have to watch where interest rates are going, certainly. Uh, we have to watch where it's going. Um, and uh, we have to uh, watch where the profitability is going to be inside of the stock market. It usually tends to be in what's called the defensive stocks. And when I say defensive stocks, it's not in defense stocks as in they're making stuff that goes boom and blows up and flies. No, no uh, Lockheed so they Martin, tend to do well. no, nothing like that. Well, they do tend to do okay, uh, but it's usually in your in your food stuff, the things that you're looking at every day. And I like to tell people, if you want to know what a defensive stock is, it's just a stock that will do well, even if you're slowing down from an economic standpoint. It's all the stuff uh, that we're going to use no matter what. And so I always like to make the joke is open up your cupboard and look at the brands of the names that are in your cupboard or under your sink um, um, or uh, in your liquor cabinet. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are the things that tend to be defensive stocks. In fact, uh, for the longest time, and you're coming into this new, Mike, but here you go, there's a mutual fund that's out there called the Vice Fund. And I'm not recommending you run out and buy it, folks, so don't say that. We're having just a little bit of fun. Uh, but the Vice Fund buys everything um, that are vices for us. So they're buying uh, stocks in, in, in pizzas and drinks and mix, uh, uh, smokes and cigarettes and that whole bit, and it tends to do really well. Uh, during a recessionary period of time (laughs) as it's the things we're not going to give up. And so at some point in time, we might want to look at and say, do we want to go some of those directions um, with some of our investments um, or um, getting a a little bit more large cap inside of those portfolios? And so these are all the discussions you want to have with your financial professional because the time is here on that, especially when you're starting to have a recessionary period of time. Now, I know I'm jumping around here a little bit, but I want to touch upon this. You know, we look at it, we're all down about bonds and, and the banks aren't happy with bonds and I've not been a fan of bonds for a long time. But by the way, I like bonds and I like bonds a lot. It's just been a bad time uh, to invest in them. You know, for example, we don't go around and say I'm going to spend some money and I'm looking for something I could pay 20% more than full price on and this is going to be great. We don't do that in our own world, but that's what happened in the bond marketplace. So what's happened now is the 20% overpriced on our product is not there anymore. Uh, in fact, our product is priced where it should be. And in fact, we might find some stuff that's actually on sale at the moment in the bond marketplace. So we're having the ability, and it's starting to pop up, particularly in the municipal area, when I'm looking at prices, we're finding some good stuff in municipal bonds as far as prices go. Um, but I'm not buying yet because I think we got at least one more interest rate hike, which will happen, um, uh, I'm going to say next month because we're now in April, but it's going to happen in May, um, more than likely, not in April. The, the Fed doesn't uh, do much in April. And, and so then after that, we'll start looking at some municipal bonds for our clients because we're going to be able to buy them um, uh, at the regular price or on sale versus buying it at a 20% premium like it was last year and years before. And I think we find some good product in it and that stuff that does well for us during a recessionary period of time. Um, so maybe the banks should listen to what I'm saying right now. Rather than bank stuff, you know, they're 20% over full price. Well, they're not listening anyway. But nonetheless, um, so there's some things that are coming up there, and we're getting close. 
hang in there, and as we say, put an extra five in a plate at church and drink bourbon. That will help you through at least the next month. 715-845-2155 is the number to call. We will have more with Merle Kelch coming up after this on Making Financial Sense on WSAU. It is 8.35 on this Saturday morning on AM 550, FM 99.9, WSAU Worldwide at WSAU.com, as well as we are making financial sense with Merle Kelch. 715-845-2155 is the number to call, and we do have somebody on the line right now. Uh, Jim was calling us during the break. He uh, is telling us that he just uh, finished clearing out his driveway, and he wanted to... uh, to join us this morning. So, uh, good morning, Jim, and good morning, Merle. Good morning. Good morning, Jim. Morning. So, uh, Jim, so, what was your question for Merle? My, my question is, at age 87, what kind of ratios do you think I should have, socks, bonds, real estate, or whatever? Well, Jim, the next question I'd ask is, how long do you plan on working still? Pardon? How long do you plan on keep working? Uh, about three years. About three years. Then you're going to retire? Uh, you're a yeah. hero in my book. I, I'm pretty well retired now. Yeah, yeah. So, so Jim, here, here's what's interesting is I have clients that are 50 years old and have uh, 40% of their money inside a bond or bond-like instrument, and I have people that are 90 years old and don't want any bond. So it's entirely really a, a personal decision. So so from that, it really kind of comes down to um, what the Jim wants to do with the money. So. Some people say, well, geez, I just want to have a monthly income show up. Um, and uh, so from that, you know, maybe bonds is the right thing for you in having what's called a laddered bond portfolio, which we haven't talked about in this program for years, simply because bonds have sunk so bad for price. But now that they're coming up, it's not a bad idea. So using a laddered bond portfolio, now a percentage of that would really kind of come to uh, what income do you need? There's no magic formula that's out there, folks, that says how much you have to have inside of bonds or not. In fact, for the longest time, a 60-40 blend was considered the best ratio you could have inside of the investment world. Um, and that 60-40 ratio last year got absolutely fleeced. And so we look at it and say, well, is that still the best way to go? It really kind of depends upon what it is that you want your money to do, of course. Now, should we have some money inside of bonds? I think the answer is yes, we should, especially now that the prices have come back again. And I think that amount we should have inside of bonds is determine the bond amount of income that you want to have on a monthly basis. Uh, versus how much you want to have for growth versus uh, income, but it's no, it's it's not the same for everybody. It's always a little bit different depending upon who you are and what you want to do. Then Jim, like everybody else, that's where you want to chat with your financial professional, chat with them, and say, okay, how do we want to do this from an income standpoint? And and maybe there's uh, some places that are even better than bonds in providing some of that income stream. I don't Thank know you very much. Yes, it helps. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Jim. Thanks for calling. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for the call, Jim. 715-845-2155, again, is the number to call. Uh, Merle, before uh, before uh, Jim gave us a call during the break, we were getting ready to uh, talk about, uh, just kind of expand a bit on what you had brought up earlier on those stocks that uh, tend to do well this time of year. Of course, at the end of the uh, quarter, uh, everything closes out to, on Friday. Uh, what are some of those stocks, uh, according to Market Watch, that uh, that did really well for the first quarter of 2023? You know, what's interesting is I have to go back uh, into the folks. I've been doing this a long time, and so sometimes the brain hurts. And then there's like the stuff that just pops out of my head. And here's one of those. <laughs> uh, there's there's a thing we used to call the dogs of the Dow, and and uh, 
And the dogs of the Tao, we could actually expand to a bunch of stuff, but that was a term that was used for a long time. And so what the dogs of the Tao was is that you take the things that stunk last year and you buy them in the beginning of the year because they tend to do really, really well then the next year. Um, or there's also the, you know, the, the ones that paid the least dividends tend to pay them the most dividends later on, that kind of stuff. And so there's an article that pops up um, that kind of chats about that. We can actually see it uh, in the, the, the uh, matrix or the table that they built. Happened again last year. So in here, it's by Philip Van Dorn. And Philip Van Dorn has an article that says, here are the 20 best performing stocks of March and, of course, the 20 worst. And so in here, inside of it, he's got an article, and it shows some individual stocks, not only by classification, but some individual stocks on what they did for last year, for example. Now, again, folks, I'm not running out, and I'm not telling you to go buy these stocks. This is just an example. You buy something that stunk last year and tends to do well the next year. Right. For example, in, in uh, Intel Corporation, in 2022, did minus 48% last year for Intel. And you look at it and say, oh, my, is that just terrible? Well, it was up 31% inside of March. And so you look at that, or Advanced Micro Devices was down 55% last year and up 24% in March. So sometimes we just have to look at uh, um, uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly. But the technology certainly seems to be back in this year um, as far as the rate of return goes uh, going up. But look at NVIDIA. And again, I'm not telling you to go buy the stock. But again, sometimes things bad last year are doing great this year. Uh, NVIDIA was down 50% last year. And so far in 2023, it's up 90%. Yes, I said 9-0. Almost, so the technology yeah. is certainly back in place. Almost doubling there. Again, 715-845-2155 is the number to call. Uh, we do have somebody on the line right now. Uh, I'm not sure they might be uh, doing a roofing project today because we've got yes. some uh, some uh, hammering going on in the background there. So, uh, caller, uh, you're on Making Financial Sense with Merle Kelch. If you could get to a, a quiet spot here, what's your uh, what's your name and what's your question for Merle? Yeah, good morning. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Uh, I've heard <clears throat> Merle talk several times about he's not a fan of municipal bond funds, but I never heard the uh, explanation for it. And well, if he I, was I, invested... Yeah. Go ahead. Um, I'm sorry, your name is? Tom. Tom? Okay, so yes. Tom, in here, I'm, I'm not a fan of bond funds, bond mutual funds. Um, and, and there's a reason for that. And so um, I'm a big fan of bonds. I just haven't been a fan of bonds in the last number of years here because they were overpriced by so much. We couldn't make any money with them. But I don't like bond funds, and here's why. When you're investing inside of a bond, you have two inherent risks. One of them we just saw right now, um, an interest rate risk. When the interest rates go up, the bond prices drop. And so, so in that, um, that's the first risk. The second risk is, then you have the credit worthiness of the bond or credit risk. So those are the two inherent risks we have with the bond. <clears throat> so then if we look at then, Tom, how to mitigate that risk and, and, and walk with me here, I'll take you a little bit and it'll come to my answer. Um, so the market risk, I'm sorry, the, the uh, credit risk, we can usually mitigate by buying a higher quality bond. Of course, higher quality means less interest rate or less yield because we get more yield for poorer quality or poorer credit. Uh, companies because they have to pay a little bit more because their credit rating may not be the best. And inside a municipal market, in municipal bonds, uh, we have the ability to, in most cases, or many cases, 
um, to actually buy those bonds that have bought insurance in case something happens with the principal um, or the interest payment that we're insured. Okay, so we have the ability to do that. So we can we can mitigate um, and reduce considerably the amount of credit risk by having those types of things inside of the bonds. The second thing is interest rate risk. When interest rates go up, the bond prices drop. Um, and, and so how do we mitigate against that? Well, um, we just simply do two things. We either buy bonds that are shorter in maturity, and there's also a number in there called duration. I won't go through that at this point, but shorter maturity. So if we have a bond that's a two-year or three-year maturity before it matures, we're going to have a lot less price fluctuation than one that matures in 20 or 25 years. It's a lot more price fluctuation in those when interest rates go up. So if I'm buying the bond, we have the Merle Kelts portfolio, and I've got, let's say, six or eight different bonds. And I'm just using it for the income. I don't care what the price fluctuation is. I'm not going to sell it. I just want it for the interest rate. I can wait until the maturity of that bond is 10 years out. I can wait till the maturity and I can get my money back. Okay. Assuming, of course, all the credit and everything else is good. But I get my money back. So if I bought the bond at um, $11,000 and now interest rates went up as they did right now and it's not worth $9,000, I don't care because I know at maturity I'll get my $10,000 back. That'd be what's called par. I can, I can do that. I can just wait. But a, and you take that same bond then and you put it with several hundred other bonds. You put it to a mutual fund portfolio, which a mutual fund is going to be a collection of, of hundreds of bonds in most cases. Um, I personally can't wait until maturity to book that loss. But the mutual fund portfolio might very well sell that bond at some point in time to buy a different bond, which is things that are going to be happening this year in that bond marketplace. So what happens then, Tom, is that I can't wait till maturity to just get my money because the mutual fund sells it, which means I'm going to end up having a loss of the portfolio, um, and I get to pay taxes on the capital gain more than likely. So isn't that great? I get to pay taxes and lose money on the same investment. That was an attempt at humor there, Tom. Um, <laughs> but the bond mutual funds, they don't like. Individual bonds. I, I'll, I'll yes. buy individual bonds any day, but I don't like bond mutual funds. Um, uh, gotcha. They just make it difficult for us to control the interest rate risk and the credit risk at the same time because the bond mutual fund is doing that. Okay. Well, um, in my ignorance, I'm thinking that the municipal fund, once they cash, can buy a higher quality bond uh, for the fund and... Uh, if you're if you're in a position at this point, I don't know. Do you jump out and buy back in, or uh, stay in there and take your beating? You know what's what's interesting is um, I was actually I, when I do the radio show like this, Tom, is I always jot notes on the side for me of things I want to um, look up because I have questions that pop into my head. And throughout the course of this week and the next week, I'll pop and I'll look at different things that I thought about my head. And one of the things I actually popped up and said, you know. Um, with municipal bonds, do we just want to sell them or buy something else? Um, and specifically, I'm looking for one particular bond that we used to uh, use for clients a long time ago. It's a great bond. I'm looking to see if they're out there again. So I like the idea, uh, and, and pretty much right now, and, and I, we talked about it before, um, probably post-May, after May, is when I'll start looking for bonds for my clients because I know the Federal Reserve is probably going to go up one more time with interest rates. And so I don't want to buy today and have the interest rates go up and everybody takes a you know, 3 or 4% discount again in bonds because the interest rates went up. So post-May, 
because I think the Federal Reserve is done, we'll start looking at individual bonds. And we'll start buying good quality individual bonds um, that I can find for my clients um, that have uh, insurance built in for interest and principal. Um, if a client wants to have them so for income, I'll ladder them, which means I'm going to buy um, six or seven different bonds that pay interest every month so that there's a constant income stream that comes in the portfolio. But I can insure it, and I'm now going to buy them at good prices, unlike a year ago, two years ago. So bonds are now coming into um, a good place to invest, which they haven't been uh, for some period of time. So not bond funds, because bond funds right now, it's, it's you don't have any control, um, uh, but it's going to be individual bonds. And now, if I might add this, Tom, if you're looking at this, if you're going to buy individual bonds, um, uh, you know, go with somebody who knows what they're doing. And, and there's a lot of financial professionals that are out there that don't buy and sell bonds that don't have all the concepts done right. Um, and at the same time, when you buy them, you want to buy them in $25,000 blocks. And uh, with everybody listening, and, and Tom, a, a little bit of a tip here. When you're in the bond marketplace, if you've got a $5,000 bond, you're not going to get any good price for it because out there, people don't want to buy a $5,000 bond. Uh, they want to buy $25,000 bonds so they put them together in a block and make it 100 And at $5,000, they don't want to give you um, 100% for price. Uh, they want to give you 90% because they have to contend with a $5,000 piece, if that makes sense. So um, with it, look at the, the $25,000 blocks, but wait until after the Federal Reserve meets in May with the interest rates and then start looking, is my opinion. Okay. Thank you very much. I hope and that I helps. really enjoy your show there. So. I do appreciate that, Tom. Thank you. Absolutely, All Tom. Right. Thanks for the call. Again, Have a good day. 715-845-2155 is the number. Uh, we will be back to uh, wrap things up for another edition of Making Financial Sense here on AM550, FM 99.9 WSAU. But first, here's Chris Conley with this day. Wrapping up another edition of Making Financial Sense here on AM550, FM 99.9 WSAU and worldwide at WSAU.com as well. It is 8.52. We have uh, snow showers just kind of tapering off outside the WSAU studios right now. But before we get back uh, into the program full force, I do want to remind people that uh, no travel is advised in several areas, especially the Northwoods, Oneida County, Florence County. Uh, we do have no travel advised still on US 51 in Lincoln County as numerous vehicles are in the ditch. We have uh, slick conditions being reported on that uh, stretch of road as well. So your best bet this morning is to stay home and uh, let those hardworking plow crews do the work to get us cleared out. And uh, hopefully by later today, we will have some better conditions. Again, 715-845-2155 is the number to call. We do have somebody on the line with us right now. So we will say, good morning, caller. You're making financial sense with Merle Kelch. Uh, what's your name and what's your question for Merle? Hello, this is Doug. Uh, I morning, have a Doug. Question, just have a question about uh, possible early retirement and looking at uh, withdrawals without uh, the early penalty and going either with uh, IRS Rule of 55 or a 72T. I'm just making a quick note down. Okay. And so how old are you? I'll be turning 56 this summer. 56. Okay. And you don't want to wait until 59 and a half, huh? Nope. 
let's get your wife on the phone. Let's see if she wants you to wait till 59. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, here, here's the thing is, is, um, I, I, at 56, I would probably choose the 72 T and, and the reason is on both of these, you have to take out what's called a substantially equal payment plan, um, or a step up, um, to take the money out from your qualified plan. So again, uh, as you've done your research, but for everybody listening, you can take the money out of your qualified plan. You still have to pay taxes on it. That doesn't go away. Uh, but you bypass your federal 10% penalty. And there's actually a three and third percent state penalty in there too. You get to bypass those. So with it then, there's a government calculation that gets done. And there's actually three calculations. You get to choose which one, uh, the one that you like. Um, uh, and you can take that out. And as long as you use that dollar amount that you take out, um, it has to stay the same until 59 and a half or five years, whichever is greater. So in here then, um, we haven't done them a lot in our industry uh, in, let's say, the, the past six or seven years. And the reason is because with interest rates so low, the amount of a calculation that we would take out wasn't that good. I don't know if that makes any sense. So then the, the yeah. rule 55 tended to be in there because they used the annuitization calculation. It tended to be a little bit higher. But um, throughout the course of the last number of months here, the 72T numbers uh, that we can take out have, have become pretty good. And so now with the rising interest rates, I like the 72T because we can we can have a little bit more control. At least that's my opinion of it. I mean, with being 56, um, you know, you're 59 and a half, and so you still have to go one more year. But um, we have more control over that too. So what we would do then, and, and I'm saying some some ideas for you to consider is this. Uh, let's say you need uh, $30,000 a year and you have uh, uh, $2 million inside of your 401k. Again, did you tell your wife you have this much? <laughs> yeah. No, huh? Okay. Um, but you don't have to do the 72T for the whole $2 million. You can section off just enough that you need for that $30,000 a year and let the rest of it continue to keep um, investing however you uh, had that planned with yourself and, of course, your financial professional. Um, and so we've, we've done a ton of work with that, and it's, it works out really nice in 72T with the rising interest rates. They've actually come up to some rates that are reasonable, attractive, we have a good income from, um, and stay within the federal guidelines of, of what that income has to be. So my preference, 72T right now. Thank you. It kind of pushes me where I was going anyhow. Yeah. Three years ago, it wouldn't have been that case, but it is now. Okay. <laughs> All right. Perfect. Hey, yeah, Thank abs- you very much. Absolutely. Thanks You're for listening, and, uh, and thanks for the call. Oh, Merle, we just have a couple of minutes left here, uh, so before we before we get things uh, wrapped up completely, just a quick question for you. Uh, again, with the uh, as I mentioned a couple of times, the last business day of the quarter was yesterday, so we've wrapped up quarter one for, yep. for the new year. What do we look for then in the next uh, couple of weeks as far as economic indicators go? Um, we're going to continue to keep watch. But matter of fact, there's not a lot of economic indicators coming up. It's March is, or April is kind of a boring month for this. But but the thing we want to take a look at is, is where is inflation going? And again, we'll have the March um, uh, data coming up for M2 money supply. And M2 money supply for most everybody that's out here, except for a couple of just the weirdos like me, um, are not going to care about it. They don't know what it is. But for weirdos like me, it's the direction where inflation is going. And by the way, folks. It's coming down, and it continues out. So those are the things you want to watch. Inflation, M2 money supply, where's it going through the course of the next couple of months? Um, that is our big watch uh, for the course of the next uh, month or so. All right. And uh, for those that want to get in touch with Merle, if maybe uh, they'd 
like a, an explanation on just exactly what a laddered bond pro- for, portfolio is and how it could work for them. Uh, Merle, how do they get a hold of you? Folks, bring your snow shovel Monday morning to our offices, <laughs> 3rd <laughs> Avenue and Bridge Street. Uh, stop in at 3rd Avenue and Bridge Street, have a cup of coffee, kick the tires, come on in, say hello. Um, you can uh, uh, have some of Kim's coffee, which is uh, fantastic and it makes me shake. So uh, you can give us a call locally, 715-849-3600, outside of the Wassa area at 866-355-5100, or find us online at kelchinassociates.com. All right, Merle, it's been another great week here for Making Financial Sense on AM550, FM 99.9 WSAU. We'll look forward to chatting again next week, and uh, hopefully we won't have to do so many traffic reports at the same time. (laughs) Sounds good, my friend. All right. Again, he's Merle Kelch, and we are making financial sense on AM 550, FM 99.9 WSAU, worldwide at WSAU.com.